Amen. Thank you, Tamara, so much. Well, we are so blessed to have Ryan Valley, Alpha Australia, here with us tonight. And uh, we're so blessed to have you sharing with us. I want to say, firstly, we cannot wait for our church-wide training yes. with the team from Alpha Australia, Thursday the 13th of July. We've got a QR code. Hopefully, the guys have got it out the back that they're going to put up on the screen. On Thursday the 13th of July, we want to see hundreds of people right across the church coming along. We're going to do Alpha training. So scan that QR code right now. We're going to do youth Alpha training and whatever, the adult Alpha, the normal Alpha, whatever you call that, I don't know, Alpha (laughs) training. And we're going to be here. We're going to have heaps of people. Ben Higgins and the Youth Alpha team are coming. So we'd love you to scan that QR code, plan to be here on that night. It's going to be an exciting night, not just to know more about how to use Alpha, but can you imagine the faith in the room as we gather together and pray, say, God, we want to be used by you, this amazing resource which God has his hand upon and is reaching lots of people. Ryan, you have a bit of an accent. Tell us where you're from. Tell That's us right. your story. I, everywhere I go, I get asked, you know, where are you from? And, and they often will say, are you Canadian, to be polite first? And, uh, but but uh, the good news is, I'm actually Australian. I'm Australian. Yeah. I married up. I upgraded and moved to Australia, married an Aussie. If you're from Canada or, or America, we love you as well, though. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. All one, all one in Christ <laughs> Jesus. This yeah. one body of Christ. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm like, I've got three passports. I'm Canadian, I'm American, I'm Australian. I'm like Jason Bourne with none of the skills. And, uh, <laughs> and, but that's what I am. Awesome. Um, the Alpha course, some people probably heard about it, know bits and pieces about it. Can you just give us a little brief summary? What is Alpha? How does it work? I'd love to. And, and before I do that, I just wanted to say thank you to the Alpha team here and everyone that's been involved. I had to come to Bridgman because uh, you're one of the biggest users of Alpha in Australia. So well done, guys. Wow, well done on that. It's amazing. You're certainly the biggest user that we know of in Queensland for the Baptist circles. And this is an exciting moment as every Baptist church in Queensland is stepping out in, in term three, running Alpha. You mentioned thousands and thousands of people making invitations and the effect it's going to have in our state, in our city and beyond. In fact, it's so exciting that uh, there are denominations globally and in Australia saying, we want to do what QB is doing, uh, the Queensland Baptist, we want whatever they're doing, we want in. So you guys are pioneering the way forward. Well done, guys. Um, if you haven't seen Alpha, yeah. if you don't know what it is, it's actually quite, quite simple. It's a video, it's a meal, and it's a discussion. Three parts. Anyone can do it. Everyone can, can join along. It's, it's very relational, easy to invite friends to. Um, the videos explore some of the big questions of faith in life. Um, and if you're thinking, I know what Alpha is, I've seen it years ago where we pushed in the VHS tapes and we see Nikki Gumbel on in, in, in a grainy screen. Uh, the good news is it's been updated. Nikki has a new sweater, and, uh, and it's really great content. The, the latest stuff they're always producing is the stuff you can have confidence inviting your friends to and know it's just going to be a safe, fun environment to explore the big questions of life. Over 80,000 Australians that we know of, it's probably more, 80,000 in Australia alone went through the Alpha as a participant. Wow. That's amazing. It's an incredible figure. And we're expecting um, about a million, past a million participant milestone in the next couple of years. And I'm hoping, it's my ambition, to celebrate it at the Baptist World Congress that's happening here in Brisbane. And uh, I'm going to invite Nikki Gumbel and uh, Bear Grylls, a spokesman for Alpha. I'll tell them we've got the best roadkill in Queensland. You've got to come. <laughs> it's already pre-cooked. It's so hot here. And, uh, and, and you've got to come. So it's, it's 
making a fantastic impact in our, in our wow. nation. That is really encouraging to hear that. Yeah. And uh, there is no doubt that we are living in a time in our world and where, I, for me personally, and many people say this, never seen an openness. I am actually believing that this younger generation is the revival generation, the stories we're hearing, what God's doing. My favourite quote, which I keep saying to the church, Nikki Gumbel, this is the greatest season for evangelism in our generation. It's on my wall. I've pinned it on my wall in my office. Tell us how you see Alpha being used in this particular cultural moment. This is truly a season of harvest. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news or not in recent years, but the lifeline numbers of people reaching out calling for a hope beyond what they see are breaking records all the time. This is a season of harvest. And so I, the great list, McCrindle Research came out. It says that one in four would come explore questions of faith if somebody they know would invite them. And it's one in two if we're below the age of 25. This is an exciting moment. And yet two-thirds of the Australian population don't know somebody that regularly goes to church. They don't even know where they begin to explore. So this is an, a great moment in our culture where we can step out, take a step of faith, be courageous, and watch as God moves in fantastic ways that transform the lives around us. So it's a great moment. So good. Uh, don't give too much away because you're going to come and do the church-wide training with us in person with the rest of the team. But can you give us a little tip of you know, how we can be using Alpha. A little tip tonight. Yeah, a little tip is this. The three words, pray, invite, bring. It starts with prayer. I, you know, I always like to, to write down five friends' names when I have an Alpha season coming up at my church. Like, I'm gonna write down a, a neighbor's name. I'm gonna write down some, someone that might be a barista. It might be someone that you're very dependent on like that. Or it could just be someone at the gym or your class. Just write down their names. It could be somebody that you're like, yeah, they might come. And then invite people, you're like, I have no idea or maybe even not. So you just go and you start praying for them, that God would make you aware of how you can make invitation and opportunities to do it. You know, our job is to, in, to invite. It's then God's job and the Spirit's responsibility to do what only God can do. Only the Spirit can convict someone's heart or compel someone to reveal Christ for who he is. So we celebrate the invitation. We're praying for them. We then invite them. And we say, I, you know, when I would make an invite, even as a pastor, it used to feel a little bit awkward for me. I, I remember I was inviting my neighbor, and I'd say something like, um, we're doing this thing at church. Uh, it's, it's, it's called Alpha, and I'd like you to come along. But if you don't come, it's okay. I'll still like you. It's just this thing. And, and I was so rambling because I was nervous that by the end, they didn't even know if I invited them to anything. And so I've learned how to make an invitation. And, and the first thing I do is I say, would you like to go to Alpha with me? And I stop talking. And that's really hard for me. I stop talking. And they'll say something like, oh, what's Alpha? Well, it's a series of videos. We explore the big questions of faith and life that many people have. We have a meal and uh, we talk about it. Would you like to come along uh, first week? And if you have a good time, keep coming back. So you pray for them, you invite them, and then you bring them. You don't say, that's a good thing you should go to. You say, would you like to come along with me to, to explore these things together? And you'll be amazed at how many people there are in your life that are just eager to explore if somebody like us would make an invitation. So I'm excited as we step out in this season ahead because I believe God's going to do amazing things. Amen. And Ryan, it's been so good. Every time you've just been sharing, just that sense of the Spirit of God stirring within us, and so what we're going to do is we're going to hand over to Ryan, but can you give him one more big welcome as he comes to share? 
And we're going to go to the screens. We're going to check out a little clip to introduce Alpha right now. Let's do that. Life moves fast, doesn't it? Every day there is so much to fit in. But do you ever stop and think? What's the point of it all? Do you ever ask yourself, is there more to life than this? Alpha is a series of sessions exploring life, faith, and meaning. It's a space to explore the big questions, to say what you think, and hear other people's points of view. First up, there's food, then a talk, followed by a discussion. Each talk explores a different aspect of the Christian faith. And then in the small group, you get to say exactly what you think. The aim of the talk is to spark conversation, each week unpacking a different question. There's no obligation to say anything, and there's nothing you can't say. Seriously. An opportunity to hear from others and contribute your own perspective in an honest, friendly and open environment. Why not try it out? Well, church, it is good to be with you tonight, and it's a bit of a younger crowd, but I think this might work. I wonder if we have any fans of the sound of music, any fans of the sound of music movie out there? I see a few hands popping up. All right, that's good. I, there was a few years ago, my wife, Beck, and I were traveling around Europe, and we mutually agreed that we could each choose one thing the other person would, would uh, have to do happily with us. And so I made my decision on what we were going to do uh, when we were in Normandy, France, and I decided we're going to go see the Band of Brothers World War II historic tour, and I had the best time, and I assume my wife Beck did as well. And then we got to Salzburg, Austria. And it turns out the so-called classic Sound of Music was actually filmed in Salzburg. And I remember the moment my wife's eyes lit up and she made her selection on what she wanted to do. It was a three-hour Sound of Music bicycle tour. It said, see the sights, sing the songs. And I became afraid. She promised me I would get something of like a mountain bike. There would be other men there. And it was going to be safe and okay. Well, we arrived. And there was 20 very excited, eager ladies and me. And I did not get a mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I was going to be riding the original Maria bike. And this thing, I looked like a gorilla in the circus on this thing. My backside was dragging on the street as we went. And it had a basket for my purse and a bell. And every time the bell would ring, it was like a warning that soon we were about to sing another sound of music song, no matter how many times it had already been sung that day. And I learned a lot about ladies that love the sound of music along this three-hour-plus bicycle singing circus tour. And the first thing I learned was this. 
Act like you're having a great time. Because if they think you're not having a great time, they're going to help you have a great time with further participation. Secondly, they must train for this event. Because they know every line of every song. It's as if they can just join along with Julia Roberts right on the spot. And thirdly, if you even whisper any part of any song, no matter how quietly, I promise you, it is like throwing petrol on fire and they will spontaneously burst into song along with you. And I love being a guest speaker. Because I can do things, I can say things, I can experiment, and if it doesn't work out, I can sneak out the back and go home and be like, Pastor Nathan, this is up to you. But I thought just for tonight, I might just do a little experiment, a little sing-along, and, uh, and just see how we go. And if you, can, if you know the songs, you, gotta, you go for it tonight. This is a younger crowd, you go for it. You're going to have to help me because this is traumatic for me. If I would say do, you would say a deer. Ray, this is good. Me, you're picking it up far. Oh, we're hitting stride. So, la, very good. T, let's bring it in, and that will. Well done, guys. Give yourself a round of applause. I'm really traumatized and need counseling. You laugh, but someday you'll find yourself in Salzburg. And men, there's a, a place that your wife will want to take you. Today and tonight, I, I've been talking about the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. And let me ask you this question. If somebody tomorrow were to ask you why Jesus is good news, why the gospel matters today, what would you say? What would you say? I was asked that question by a musician. And he said, why does Jesus matter today? What's so good about it? And I said, well, you're a musician, so let me put it like this. Perhaps it's like a love song that God began singing long ago. It's a good song. It's changing the world, transforming it for better. We're invited to join along anytime. Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words, some are just learning the words, and some will soon hear it for the first time. But of course, this is more than a song. This is the historic reality of Jesus stepping into history to make a new way for a destiny he intends for us ahead. And we're each invited to join in this song, in this reality, and live from it. This is good news. And we're commissioned to share it. Jesus invited his followers to share this as we go. The good news of his kingdom. Matthew 28, Jesus said this to his followers. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples. It's written in the imperative 
mood. It has this sense. It's as you go about your everyday life, along your front lines, and your work, and your play, and your rest. Be a part of singing out of this song, living out of this God reality in his kingdom, breaking through news. As you go, make disciples. And yet, we might have a confidence in Jesus, in the gospel, but perhaps we feel less confident on how we might share it with others. I think for some of us, we hear make disciples and we feel like this is something that's just beyond our strength. It's something that's just too big. Like, maybe we'll leave it to those extroverts in church. You know the ones? They're highly caffeinated. They seem motivated. Let's pray for them. We'll leave it to them. There's not a lot of them, but they'll just encourage them. We'll even give them money. Maybe it's because we feel like we don't have the right voice. We might miss a note here and there, or or we're worried that we're not going to have all the right words. But imagine if the whole church the body of Christ, every one of us, in our own voice, in our own words, began to take that last command of Jesus and live as if it was a first priority. Well, what happened in our city? And what if I told you that we didn't need to have all the right words and the right voice? What if I told you that sharing about the good news of Jesus starts with a simple invitation. It could be something as simple as these three words. Come and see. Come and see. Like a beggar telling another beggar where there's bread to be found, where you can find hope beyond our circumstance of what we see in the news or experience in our own life. Come and see. Come and discover where you can be fed and filled Do you know the power of an invitation? I get to hear stories of invitation all the time working with Alpha. And this is not about Alpha. Everyone on the Alpha team would say, do whatever works to share the good news. If it's Alpha, great. If it's something else, do that too. Whatever it takes to share this message. But let me tell you a couple Alpha stories. Stories of invitation. There's one story I love to tell about about Adam. Adam was an airline pilot. And when COVID hit, he discovered that he no longer had a job. He lost it when all the planes shut down. And then Adam found he couldn't pay his mortgage anymore. He found that he was losing his house. And things were a bit stressful in his marriage at home. And with all this extra stress going on, his marriage broke down. And one day, Adam found himself living on the streets of Brisbane here, wondering how in the world he had lost it all and come to this place in life. And someone from a church approached him, and they offered him a meal. And they said, do you want to come to Nalpha? We'll feed you again. We'll love you. We'll care for you. We'll listen to you. When Adam went, week one, week two, week three, suddenly he comes into a relationship with Christ. 
And I spoke to the pastor of that church and he reported that Adam says that he's never gone through so much chaos in his life, that things have been so wildly disordered. And yet now that he's come to a faith in Christ, that he's never also at the same time had such hope, joy, and peace beyond his circumstance. But it was all because of an invitation. Come and see. One other story of a lady I met about 10 months ago. Her name's Cherie. Met her 10 months ago at a church leaders gathering in the Logan area. And she approached me and she was like this kind of short in stature personality, but huge in personality, firecracker full of energy kind of ladies. And she came running up to me and she said, I've done time in prison and I gotta talk to you. And I was like, you got my attention. And she said, I was doing time about eight years ago in a women's detention center, and I was the worst of the worst. I was telling the other women what to do and how to do it. And somebody approached me and said, do you want to go to Alpha? And I thought, Alpha? What in the world is that? I have no interest in faith. But she said they were offering cookies, and I had nothing else to do in prison. And so I went. She said, I went there, and it was week one. I had my arms like this. I ate my cookie. And week two, week three, they were listening to me. They were loving me. Week four, suddenly she comes into a relationship with Christ. And her life was forever changed. She said, eight years onwards, here I am. Now I go back into the prisons. I run Alpha, and then I help these ladies as they come out and get their lives organized on the other side. My life was forever changed because someone invited me to come and see. As easy as that. Come and explore the good plans that God has for our lives. And you might be surprised that there are people in your life, people you would never expect, that they will come with their arms folded like this. But they're just waiting for a place to find a hope beyond what they've experienced. If somebody would invite them. It's so worth remembering in a time when, when so much of media would say that, that the church is dying, the church is dead, no one's interested. The church is alive and well. That there is a hunger for something more out there. I wish we could just burn it like into our brains. Like one in four would come if somebody would invite them, says McCrindle Research. They're a well-respected and documented company that does this all the time. One in two if you're below the age of 25. And yet most Australians don't know someone that goes to church. And in a season such as this when so many are searching for hope and lifeline numbers are off the charts, who's going to tell them? We are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. Are we prepared to go? Romans 10, 14 says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? How can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone has been sent to do it? I thank God that he has some, someone. It's you and I, the body of Christ.
in our own words, in our own voice, in our own ways. God has placed you in positions of relationship with a purpose. To be salt, to be light, to bring good news to people that are eager for hearing it. Each of us have come to faith through relationships. I mean, how many of us came to a faith in Christ at a young age, maybe as a child, maybe as a young person? Just raise your hand real quick. How at a young age? It's probably the case that there were people in your life, it was a, a grandparent, a parent, a neighbor, a friend, somebody took the time to invite you to come explore questions of faith and life. Somebody invited you to, to church service where you could hear about Jesus. Or maybe you came to faith as an adult or a young person. It's likely that you can name people that said, these were people in my life. There were people that God put in my life that helped me take a next step of faith along the way. Or perhaps it is that you're sitting here tonight and you don't even know where you're at with Jesus or, or whether you're going to have a relationship with him or not or what kind of relationship is going to be. But it's likely the case that somebody who loves you and cares about you invited you to come and hear a little bit about the good plans that God has for your life. William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service one person can render another. And it happens in the context of everyday life as we go in the front lines. God makes us aware of his opportunities. He says, surely my presence goes with you to the end of the age. Well, there's three things I find encouraging as we go to share this good news, to say, come and see. The first is this, God is already on the go. God is already at work in the lives of the people around us. We're not starting at zero. The second thing is this, it's the spirit that is the lead evangelist. The pressure isn't ultimately on us, on a pastor, on a book, on Alpha, or anything else. It's only the spirit that can reveal Christ for who he is and compel people to convict people. Our job is to invite, to explore, to love, to listen. And the most incredible part of all is this, that we each have a role to play, no matter how small it may seem. That God has chosen us to play a part in this great story and this reality of his kingdom breaking in. I love how Daryl Johnson therefore defines evangelism. He says, we are entering a conversation the spirit is already having with somebody. We are inviting people to come and see, to listen in more deeply to the goodness of God and his good plans for our world and our lives. It's an invitation. And throughout scriptures, throughout the gospels, it's filled with this theme of invitation. We often find Jesus inviting people to say something like, follow me. And these followers often say, come and see, come and experience and know about the goodness of God. And the invitation is like this mini proposal that has power to transform destiny. 
I mean, most relationships, most marriages started by way of invitation. They took one look at me and they thought, invitation. I'm going to invite them to coffee, to a movie, to walk. I want to spend time with them. Most great adventures in life start by way of invitation. You'll hear something like a friend saying, we're going on this adventure. You got to come with us. Come along. And here we have the greatest invitation of all. An invitation to find life and hope and meaning and purpose. To so many people that are saying, why am I here? Where am I going? What's life all about? And throughout scriptures, we see that God is using everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. We're not needing to all be gifted preachers or teachers. We're invited to play our part as a body. Everyday people. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be there in that moment of history when Jesus comes announcing the reign of his kingdom? I mean, Jesus says in Mark 1, 14, he says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is at hand, Repent and believe the good news. And what is this, this good news reality? It's a, it's a foretaste of the coming main event. When the kingdom draws near, it's a taste of what's yet ahead. And what happens as we, as we see what this unfolds? Well, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame stand up and walk, the hungry are fed as food is multiplied. People with mental illness are made well. There's community that gathers. There's restoration of a hope, of joy, of peace. I mean, this would be an exciting moment to live, to see all this happening before our eyes. What would you do? I know what I would do. I'd say, this is the most important message in history. We have got to do something to share it. Let's get a social media team together. Let's get, call every newscaster we know. Let's, let's get a plan. Let's assemble the best and the brightest team you can imagine and get this thing going because we got to get this message out there. But listen in on how Jesus chooses everyday people as his first round draft picks. Listen in, he says in Matthew 4, 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into a lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. How amazing is this? Jesus enters this backwater area of Galilee it starts to pick people. It says, I'm choosing you, everyday people. And so right away we see that this isn't about what we can do for God, but celebrating what he has done for us and sharing that news for others. You know, if these were just fishermen, Peter and Andrew. If they would have been the best and the brightest students of that day, you know what they would have done? They would have been sent off to the Bible school of that time. They would have been sent off to study the Torah. 
And after years and years of laborious study, they would ask a rabbi, can I follow you? And Jesus reverses that. He goes into the backwater area, a place where people would say, can anything good come from there? And he says, come and follow me. I'm choosing you. Everyday people, come follow me. Catch more than fish. Catch people with this wonderful good news of my kingdom reign. And this is what it looks like. And how amazing that it was these same people that went on to transform the world with this message, this gospel message of good news. So much so, it was disrupting the known world. The whole city of Jerusalem is in an uproar as so many people come to faith. The officials haul them into the courts to give an account of what's happening in the city. And this is what it says in Acts 4.13. When the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. The same presence of Christ that abides in our hearts, that moves now in our community, in our churches, inviting us to still transform cities. They've been with Jesus. God sends everyday people who have encountered him with courage to share the invitation. I wonder if we count ourselves in in sharing that good news. Or perhaps we think, I'll just wait till my life is neatly put together. When things are sorted out, maybe I, you feel like you're not the right person because you, know, you, you, you don't have all the right words to the song. Or you'll sing a little off key with your life. But you know the gospel only sounds like good news to people when we recognize that we've got problems that are beyond our strength. When we recognize our own need of a savior that we cannot save ourselves, that the things that we see in the nightly news along with our own life are beyond the brightest minds of our times, that's when we begin to recognize the reality of Christ and who he is and what he's done for us. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 21 to this neat and tidy religious crowd, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Now, Jesus isn't trying to say, guys, I want you to pick up your game and work harder at being good in your life. He's saying you need to give up on the idea that you can save yourself. The broken people of the world who have messed up lives, are quicker to realize that things are beyond their own strength. This is not a self-salvation story. Do you know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is recorded in the four books of the gospel? Do you know who brought the most people to Jesus? You might think it's somebody that had all the right education, they have the right car. They've got the right relationships in life. They've got their life neatly organized. You know who brought the most people to meet Jesus? It's the Samaritan woman at the well. She invited her whole town 
to come meet Jesus with three simple words. Come and see. You can read the story in John chapter 4, and many of you will know it. But just think of how amazing it is that God chose her amongst all the others he could have chosen. Firstly, she's a woman. And women in that time, in that culture, were treated terribly. Their testimony wasn't even considered valid in the courts of law. And she's a Samaritan. Nobody liked the Samaritans. They were the worst of the worst people group. They were considered half-breed dogs by some. And you read the story and you discover it's the sixth hour when Jesus encounters her. The sixth hour is the middle of the day. Now remember, this is a hot desert climate. And it's a time when women would together go in the cool of the morning to collect the water for the needs of the day and they go back to town in a group. But here she is alone in the middle of a hot day drying water. What's that tell you about her? Oh, I don't think it's a long venture to guess that maybe she's a bit of a lonely woman. Maybe she's a bit of an outcast, rejected. Well, if you know the story, you know that she had been married five times. Five times she'd been rejected by a man. Five times she was told, you're not lovable. You're not good enough. And now she's living with the guy. Because in that time, if you weren't connected to a guy, you probably didn't have a roof over your head or security of food. And you can imagine her in the middle of a hot day alone at this well, reflecting on her life. Thinking, you know, I I grew up as a young girl thinking I had all these ambitions and goals in my life. And God was going to do great things. But I've experienced all this trauma. I've been rejected by men. All these events have happened. I wanted a family. I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be friends with people. I wanted community. And here I am. She meets Jesus. And he says, I'm offering you living water. I'm offering to quench the thirst that you have in life. Follow me. And she's so excited, she runs back to town. And this is what she said to the townspeople as she ran into this town. She says, come and see. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows all about my brokenness, my shame, my rejection, my past. And he loves me. He's counting me in. Could this be the Messiah? You see, she doesn't have all the facts and figures. She doesn't know every detail of everything. But she knows she's encountered someone that's going to change her life forever. It says the townspeople went out and they made their way towards Jesus. And they finally say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. How amazing that God chose her. 
to be the greatest messenger recorded in the Gospels. A whole town for Jesus with three simple words. Come and see. I wonder if you can hear it. That God is sending everyday people who have encountered him with the courage to share the invitation. Courage not being the absence of fear, but a willingness to keep going despite it because of a hope beyond it. At the crucifixion, I often think about how the disciples hid in fear. As Jesus is crucified, we know that they went and hid behind locked doors, all of them. Because they were worried that they were going to be next. But something greater than their fears passed through those locked doors. The reality of a risen Savior. And it was so transformative. A message so important that whatever their fears were of rejection, of death, there was a hope beyond it that was worth pursuing and sharing. And so the doors were opened, the locked doors that they had hid behind. And they went on to share the message of Christ. And it totally transformed history forever from Jerusalem and beyond. And it makes me think about what would it take in our generation in a season such as this to go beyond the fears that we might have of sharing that invitation. What locks us behind locked doors in a time when there's so much hunger for a hope beyond what is seen? Fears of rejection, of what people might think or react. What would it take to move in our hearts to step out behind the locked doors the greatest season of evangelism in our generation and say, come and see. Now the church is not a location. The church is a movement of friends, inviting friends, inviting neighbors, inviting colleagues, inviting people in everyday life. A movement of people. And we only gather to celebrate and worship what God has done for us. Pray for people. Invite them. Bring them. I mean, what does Andrew do when he meets Jesus? He goes and gets his brother Peter. He says, come and see. And just think about all these people that were bringing people to meet him. You can read one story, Mark chapter 2, the story of four loyal friends Four loyal friends that bring a man on a paralyzed mat to meet Jesus. And they've been probably praying for their friend who's been lying paralyzed for years. And they say, you got to meet this Jesus. We're going to bring you. And so they pick him up. And they begin to carry him. We're bringing you to meet Jesus. Whatever it takes. And we don't even know if he wanted to go. And then they find Jesus and he's, he's speaking to a crowd of people. He's inside of a house and it's so full of people that there's a crowd that spills out of the house. 
but they're bringing them to meet Jesus, and they can't get through. So what are they going to do? Well, they have an awkward idea. They're going to go onto the roof, and they're going to dig a hole. And you can imagine, if he wasn't protesting before, he probably was then. Like, you can imagine the moment. These four little friends, you know, heaving them up onto the roof. Whatever it takes, we got to bring them to Jesus. And they're digging a hole, and it's probably dirty and a mess. And I, and I don't even know, like, Jesus looking up, and all the people in the dirt is probably falling on them. And who knows, maybe he's being protesting when he's going, being let down. Like, you guys are making me do this. Four loyal friends. You know, I don't know if that guy, the paralyzed man, wanted to meet Jesus or not. But I bet you when he walked out of there, a healed and transformed man, a life forever changed, that he was glad they brought him. See, I don't ever want to die wondering in a cultural moment such as that we're living in, what would have happened in my life if I would have just prayed for the people around me? What would have happened if I would have invited people along, whatever my fears might have been? What would have happened if I would have paid the cost to bring a friend and say, come with me, come explore the deeper and good plans that God has for our lives? Come and see. And my fear is that the gospel becomes like background noise and music to our lives. When God is inviting the whole body to sing in our own voice, in our own words, in our own ways, not that we get every note right, but we're celebrating the one who has come to bring life. Life for us, life for the world. So we sing in our own voice in our own ways because God is sending everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share the invitation. I'll finish with the story that I love. Albert McMakin was this 24-year-old farmer and Albert had recently come to faith and he was so excited and full of enthusiasm that he was filling his friends, a truck full of his friends and people he knew, to go to this tent meeting that was happening where the gospel was being shared, to hear more about Jesus. And Albert had this one friend. He was a good-looking farmer's son, and he really wanted him to come and hear more about Jesus at these meetings. But his friend was hard to persuade. He was busy falling in and out of love with different girls. He didn't seem to be attracted to Jesus in any way. But Albert finally convinced him to come along by asking him to drive the truck to this meeting. Well, Albert's uh, guest arrived with all of his friends and they decided to go inside. And he began to be spellbound. Albert's friend began to have thoughts he'd never had before. And he went again, night after night, until one night Albert's friend went forward and gave his life to Jesus. And that man, the driver of the truck, Albert's friend, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. 
And we know that since that time, Billy went on to share the gospel to millions of people around the world. In fact, the Australian history was forever changed. In 59 and in the 70s, when God used Billy's ministry powerfully throughout our nation. There's not a church I go to and preach at on a Sunday where there aren't people whose lives have been forever changed because of what God did and through Billy's ministry. There might even be people here tonight who have a grandparent, a parent, someone they know. There were hands in both services this morning that went up. You know, we all can't be like Billy Graham, but we can all be like his friend Albert and say, come and see. Come and see, because you never know how God might use those three words to forever change someone's life. And that life might change a community, a family, a city, nations. Do you know the power of an invitation? Billy Graham said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for a new generation. And we are now that new generation. And the way God will move in the future may not be how God has moved in the past. Maybe it will be through some preachers that come and they share like Billy did. But you know, in a cultural moment such as this, I believe it's the body of Christ. Once again, everyday people. Or people in the culture will trust you more than they'll trust someone standing on a stage. What will we do in this moment? Will we share this invitation? I want you to consider who you might invite ahead as we move into a season of Alpha ahead as we watch this next video. And this video is important to me personally because I am now friends with both these people that you will see. But think about who you might invite as we watch this now. My name's Phil King. I live in Brisbane in Queensland. I'm married, I have two adult children. How did I come to Alpha? I've been riding or cycling for some 10 to 15 years. In 2013, my oldest lad asked me if I'd like to join a group called Altitude. He'd been riding with them um, for a few weeks and really liked the people. And uh, I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest, because um, I heard that the Altitude crew were mainly Christians. Um, so I kind of resisted for a few weeks. And then um, one morning, uh, Matt got up and he said, come on, join me on a ride. And I thought, oh, why not? And so I kind of enjoyed the morning and then I started riding with him on a regular basis. I think back in, in 2015, uh, before coming to Christ, that I was probably close to being suicidal. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was one of those things. And, uh, but I also felt that, um, you know, with my family that I couldn't let them down. I was still, you know, that would have been a very difficult thing to do. But there was also the thing that I probably could have just abandoned everything, left home and lived on the streets. It was that close. I was able to share that with, with these guys, which I wouldn't share with lots of other groups. But because of the relationship that we built with these guys and their character, I felt quite comfortable in doing that. From that conversation that, that evening, um, Rod rang me up and um, asked me to come to Alpha. 
if you have the opportunity to invite somebody to Alpha, I would, I would recommend you grab it and, and do it. There's, there's no easier way that I know of to walk people through into, into finding Jesus Christ as their saviour. So the night that I rolled up at Alpha, it was um, it took me by surprise. I hadn't really been to church, and and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, I've not been to church for at that stage for some forty years, and the first thing I noticed in there was that um, it was a very welcoming, very loving, and and they were engaged me and they asked me questions. We had the video, which I really enjoyed, and I went away and thought about that a lot um, the following week, and actually looked forward to the second session. And again, the questions, the video was really good. I really liked the, the topics and uh, they really sort of started to open my mind up to, to thinking about that through the week. By the, the third week, I was pretty much all in. Uh, I remember dri driving home that night and thinking, wow, this is probably the best thing I've ever done. My world was just collapsing around me. I'd lived in internally relying on my own strength to live through the, the difficult times and I couldn't do that anymore. And now, now through Alpha, it's opened up that I can actually lean on, on Jesus and, and that now I go to church regularly, still mentored and, and through, through Rod um, and the other Christians I know. And yeah, it's been a great honour, a great privilege um, and an absolute joy to see his life changed um, so radically and so quickly because within a few weeks I could see his life changing. Um, not only was, was he being convicted, but he was enjoying um, the freedom that Christianity was offering him and that God was offering him. And I'll say something you probably don't hear in church very often. Would you like to take out your phones and just hold them? Hold them in your hand and think about the many connections and relationships and people that you know in your life as we pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill us, revive us, awaken the sleeping giant of a church to the reality of a new song being sung in our city. That we would live towards the destiny you have in mind. One that brings life and life to the full. And we would carry this message as we go. Would you excite our imagination? of the hundreds of people that we have connections with, of what's possible when the body moves as a whole church in our own voice, in our own ways. Because I believe you're prepared to move. You are prepared to move and you're inviting the church to come along with what the Spirit is already doing. In the many people we know, you're already at work in their life. Would you give us the courage to share this invitation? Say, come and see. 
in a cultural moment that is desperately hungry for a hope and security when the world is shaking, when there seems to be no sense of ultimate truth, you are the way, the truth, and the life. You are our final hope and destination where we find joy and the peace that we are so eager for. We are designed to be in relationship with you. So give us courage as we step forward as a church ahead. And I believe that there is an anointing on Bridgman that there's a uniqueness for what you are doing and I'm already seeing it unfold in real life as denominational leaders, as other pastors say, we wanna join in on what God's doing. We see what God's doing at Bridgman, how God's at work transforming lives. Help us to know that our faithfulness to keep in step with your spirit is going to have an exponential effect across our city of Brisbane across the state of Queensland and beyond. Father, that we would be faithful. Us everyday people who have encountered your love to share the invitation ahead. Come Holy Spirit, fan into flame and move on our hearts that would see many come to faith in this season of harvest ahead. And God's people said, Amen. Hey, can we thank Ryan so much for sharing with us tonight? I don't know about you, but my faith has been stirred. We, we believe what Ryan has spoken and things that we know God has said to us, the Spirit of God is moving, that He's at work in people's hearts and lives. There's two responses tonight. The first is that Alpha Churchwide Training Night, which you come on that Thursday night. Just invest an hour of your time to come, seven to eight, training and then if you want to hang around for some Q&A you can do that afterwards but can you imagine that now as we gather together I don't know if they can put the QR code up again I really would love you just to just to scan that and say yeah I'm going to come on that night I'm going to be there an hour just to come and just to, can you imagine a whole heap of us gathering together saying God we want to be used by you being equipped being empowered it's, it's for every one of us to be a part of this mission so I want to encourage you to come the second thing is this I want you to pray tonight with faith Every service um, so far, I've just been hearing stories of people just being moved in their heart to pray really particularly for ones that they know, that they love. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a work colleague or a friend. I don't know who it is for you, but God's just put someone on your heart tonight. These are moments of faith to respond. The Spirit of God is near. And just to bring that name. In a moment, we're going to sing a song called I Speak Jesus. It says, I speak Jesus over every heart and every mind. When you sing those words, put that name and that person in that you're praying for. Maybe you've been praying for them for a long time. Maybe you've been praying for them for years. Pray again tonight with faith, knowing the Spirit of God. He is the greatest evangelist. He's already working in hearts and lives. So I want to share this one story on on Vision Sunday, I shared the story of Lauren, one of our young adults here who's been running Alpha in her school just this last um, term. Well, this week I got an email from another one of our Switch youth. This is from Geordie. And this is what she wrote in an email to me. It was so encouraging. She said, just wanted to share a massive answer to prayer that happened to me this week. At the start of this term, I felt called to start a Youth Alpha Bible study at my state school. 
And after a whole term of hitting roadblock after roadblock, I received an email this week with the approval to go ahead. How good is that? Absolutely praising God, yeah. Absolutely praising God that this is getting started. And I am so excited to see what He's going to do in my school. Please be praying for it to go smoothly and for God to bring about revival. That's our prayer. That many, many people, revival is just simply lots of people encountering God's love for them, that He has a plan and a purpose for them. I don't know, is Geordie here tonight at all? Where are you, Geordie? Are you around? She in the audience, not here tonight, but praise God for um, just what she's doing. We should encourage Geordie if she's watching online later on. We just love that heart. But we're praying that be multiplied many more times. And so we're going to sing this song. You respond in faith. You may even tonight, someone's on your heart and you're saying, Lord, I want to bring him to your throne tonight. Just come down the front for a moment and just pray and commit him. If you want one of us to pray with you, we'll come and pray with you as well. Or maybe you're saying, God, just use me, fill me, equip me by your Spirit. Come. We'd love to pray for you as well. But let's worship. Let's proclaim Jesus over our streets, over our community, over our city, our nation, our world with faith tonight. Let's sing this out. Let's shout Jesus from the mountaintops tonight. Let's do that.
out Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets come on Jesus in the darkness over every enemy for my family Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus come on lift your voice we sing it out our heart's greatest desire that they would come to know the life, the hope, the joy and the love that is found in You, Lord. So we pray over the names we have been lifting up during this last song, the names You're laying on our hearts. Father, continue to speak to us, continue to show us who You want us to reach, continue to speak to us and give us those names, Lord. And we pray for opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to speak truth into their lives, Lord. And we pray for courage. We pray for the strength to be obedient to the promptings of Your Spirit. We thank You that it's actually not about what we do, it's about the Spirit that lives within us. The Spirit who's already been having a conversation in those one's lives, Father. And that we now get to partner with You and be a part of that. Father, help us to lean into Your Holy Spirit, to allow You to move and work through us to love your people. We thank you that these names, these ones, Lord, you love them. You love them with all of your heart. And it is your greatest desire that they would come to know you, that they would come to know the freedom and the joy and the fullness of abundant life that is found in you, Lord. So we pray, Father, use us, use us as empty vessels. Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out this week to love people in Your Name, to be courageous in Your Name, to speak Jesus over them courageously, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. It has been so wonderful to have You with us this evening. Don't forget, we have dinner out in the courtyard. Come and join us for pizza and pasta. But God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.